This week's episode of The Clear Out was recorded on the 22nd of March 2022 at home in Wicklow. That's the equinox, isn't it? Equal equal daylight, equal equal night. Anyway, this week's episode, um, it focuses on a few different things, but basically it's a journey from objectification prompted by a tweet I saw on Twitter about male objectification, as in men being objectified by a woman and her saying, you can't accuse me of that. And I thought, hmm, can't I? Let me try. So it starts there, more or less. There's a bit of preamble about some dubious liquid soap in my household. And the conversation stretches out then to the idea of looking in the empty space for where we've won in life or where we're winning in life and using that as a theory um a a theory that's really a response to maybe a more a more kind of capitalist influenced concept of victory which connects to accumulation and amassing something uh my theory leans in the other direction of what isn't present and what what has been let go of and what's been removed from the space so it's it's definitely an episode around wellness and mental health um and my own sort of relationship with maybe anxiety and depression and how that really was the kind of the launch pad for this uh, this offering, this theory of looking at the looking at the deficit, looking at the empty side of the ledger and going, hmm, that's actually a very positive thing. So that's um, is that is that too is that too vague? That's where you're going. I hope you can I hope you can accompany me there. I think it's a really good episode actually. It just all flowed rather nicely and the sun was shining when I recorded so that certainly helped a lot okay I'll see you there shortly bye not gonna change my mind leaving the dream behind hi my name is Dara Clear and you're listening to The Clear Out how are you today? how's this week going for you? better than last week? worse? How's this this moment? Whenever you're listening to this, is it a good moment? Have you just left some crappiness behind? Or have you some crappiness to look forward to? Because maybe you're a masochist. Maybe you've got some strange peccadillos. <laughs> and crappiness is your thing. Um, or maybe you just have a, you know, a little baby. And you have to deal with nappies or diapers, as they like to say in the the US. Uh, The sun, the sun is beating down and I'm looking out the window and I'm getting a bit of that. I'm getting a bit of that sunshine coming in and it's it's rather lovely. It's really delicious. In fact, the uh, much needed, much needed, I would say we've had um, quite a lot of rain this month hasn't been so lovely and it's been colder than february 
good place to start always with uh, with with an with with, a, with an Irish person. Let's start with the weather. Oh, now it's been it's been fresh. It's been fresh for March, and we'll see how February was soft. Um, conundrums, conundrums. The months not doing what they should. Did I did I use this phrase last week or the week before? March many weathers. I've been hit with a few times this month. Uh, anyway, the the weather is lovely at the moment, and I would probably prefer to be just out in the garden cleaning up some leaves or perhaps even applying the first cut of the season to the grass i can dust off the lawnmower maybe throw a bit of oil into it and hopefully it's still working after its winter layoff it's it's getting to that time the combination of here here here's a <laughs> here's a here's a little uh, formula the combination of the sun and the rain and the time of year equals abundance an abundant growth fierce growth can't keep up with it lads we're not there yet but uh, we'll get there we'll get there there's a reason there's a reason this country is so green and that's that's merely the color i'm not talking about green policies or green energy uh, green directives green outlook green sensibility I'm merely talking about the colour of the grass and the trees and the plants ferociously green and that's a good that's actually a nice colour it's very soothing it's like like the uh, the base of a of a pool table or a snooker table or a billiards table although sometimes they're red aren't they not quite so soothing you think red you might think Hitchcock you might think De Palma. You might think Al Maldovar. I'm sure I've mispronounced that. I'm sure I've got the, the, the emphasis incorrect. Al Maldovar? Al Maldovar? Al Maldovar? Al Maldovar. Now, covered all my options there. That's a nice little English language exercise. Just get your students to stress each syllable in term. In term? In turn, even and see if they can hear what feels most natural computer 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 you know which one's correct don't you that's because you're probably a first language speaker of english and it all fits into a nice little place in your brain it's an interesting thing that isn't it language acquisition i remember there's a movie not a great movie, one I don't think I watched in its uh, totality. But there is a movie, I think it's called The 13th Warrior. Would that be right? Something like that. 90s, I think, Antonio Banderas. And he somehow fetches up in Scandinavia as a prisoner of Vikings. But there's quite a nice sequence um, in the movie where he's like lying by a campfire at night and he's just trying to make sense of uh of what the vikings are are speaking um and so i'm not sure what that would be what would vikings have spoken an earlier form of danish or i mean the finns the swedes and, and the norsemen so norwegian i mean norsemen that's really what we think of isn't it originally the, the the vikings were the norsemen so maybe an early version of norwegian and i have no idea what are norwegian 
Finnish, Swedish and Danish. How similar or dissimilar are they? Because their Danish is very tricky. But Danes are so courteous and obliging and thoughtful that all of them seem to speak beautiful English. So it's like, oh, don't worry, we'll speak English. I say, tak, which I think is Danish for thanks. Uh, in any case, Antonio Banderas has this sequence where he is just trying to follow the conversation and I can't remember if they use subtitles or not, but gradually it's just this sort of slow penny dropping when he starts, his brain starts to wrap its head around certain words and phrases. And it's from an English uh, teacher's point of view or a language teacher's point of view. It's it's kind of cute. It's kind of a cool sequence. And isn't it interesting? Like that's all, that's all it is really on, on one level. It's just the brain becoming used to sounds getting and you know making the correct connection between sound and meaning um i mean cats and cats and dogs do it but they just follow the tone of your voice do they um good boy all those sounds we make for babies that cooing and ooing and eyeing we're not actually saying anything we're communicating an emotion we're communicating love care interest um concern uh that kind of thing so it starts there it's it's such a it's such a primal thing so i feel i could communicate really effectively with babies all around the world regardless of culture language um whatever the other barriers might be um there's a thought ah there's a thought Maybe we should all <laughs> maybe we should all go back to that form of communication when faced with conflict, when faced with that that uh, disjunction, that disharmony. Maybe we should just revert to baby language. Maybe we should just start crying when we're upset, wailing at the top of our lungs, and when we're we're happy, we can giggle and google and gurgle, and maybe we can just try and soothe each other with. That'd be a quick way to get a, a slap in the face or a, a kick in the groin, perhaps. Not to go to a violent place. That's 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 not really the outcome we want. Um but anyway, some people might feel patronized. Um should you should you take that approach? And what else is you know, patronization in that sense, being patronizing or condescending when you drop in your loves and your pets and your dears and your childs. Ah, look, ah, look, well, now, thanks. Ah, thanks for, ah, pet. What? Ah, go on now. Ah, you poor little thing. Excuse me? Yeah, it's, um, it's very, it's very unambiguous, really, isn't it? <laughs> you hope you hope at a certain point, you know, people will stop, stop patronizing you, stop, uh, stop making assumptions about your limitations. But it's, um, it's hard not to, I suppose, on some level. We're all human. We're all capable of judgment, instant judgment, instant character assassination. Um, now, speaking, speaking of such things, where do I want to start? I mean, I have started, but where do I want to continue? I love, <laughs> I love the hand soap in the uh, 
in the bathroom here at hashtag blessed. Um, we have we have two bathrooms. One is an ensuite, if you uh, if you'll pardon my French, and that is the lesser used of the two bathrooms because it has a shower that does not work. Frustratingly, there's 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 some issues with the uh, the filter system in this wonderful abode, and it seems to kill one of the showers. It can't the filter system can't cope with what's coming through the water and then the the shower unit gets clogged and the identical the same shower unit is in the other shower and it doesn't affect that one for some reason i think the the source of the water comes from a different pipe and it's not dragging sediment or whatever into it anyway whatever the so the one that's more used by all of us it has it has a little little dispenser a little hand pump dispenser um what am i trying to say that's a bottle of hand soap with a little pump on it now i'm speaking about it in very general terms because it's recycled not the hand soap and this is gonna this is where my my train of thought is going but the 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 bottle is the 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 vessel in which the hand soap resides and i love the smell of it i'm just gonna smell myself here (laughs) this is not a visual medium so i have to do the give you the audio here comes the sniff the hand is approaching the microphone and here comes my nose to sniff yeah on the other hand i don't know what it is about that i can't even it's floral but um it is of well to me anyway it's of of unknown progeny i don't know where it came from and I, <laughs> I was just washing my hands down there before before coming in here to record and I thought unfortunately unfortunately to look at this hand soap it really isn't very attractive my daughter has a habit of removing the labels from these like shampoos and bottles of you know of, of liquid soap and so I've no idea what was on it before but I'm looking through a clear plastic container and rather unattractively the liquid soap has a has a grayish you know a grayish kind of creamyish almost translucent tinge to it and it's hard it, <laughs> i was going oh it does have a rather it does bear a rather unfortunate resemblance to sperm um or semen i should say more accurately um <laughs> I know this is not where this is not where we wanted to go. However, I've gone there and I was just thinking, well, where did this come from? It doesn't come from me, and I'm the only man in the house. Uh unless the the rooster is sneaking in at night to do unspeakable things to that little soap dispenser. And then I thought, wait, wait, maybe my wife has taken a lover. And he has incredibly fragrant semen. Floral. (laughs) Fragrant, aromatic, floral scented semen. I've been cuckolded by a man with perfumed semen. What about that? Wouldn't that be extraordinarily painful for me? And... This man, I'm not going to even speculate as to how he gets the fluid into the bottle. But that's his way of going, now, pal, now, 
That's just an extra little, an extra little insult to add to the injury. Uh, and you're going to wash your, <laughs> you're going to wash your hands in my perfumed stuff, my product. Um, that's a very, a very uh, unsavory line of thought. Anyway, there you go. That's where my, that's where my stupid brain went, entertaining myself with such nonsense. But I'll tell you what, fair play to him because it does smell good. So well done, that man, if that's where it came from. Um, right. So that's, yes, that's where I chose to go. I apologize if that was an unsavory, an unsavory segue. Um, <laughs> so I saw something on, on Twitter yesterday. And it's not, I seem to find, I have a little reference to Twitter most, most episodes of the podcast. And it's not like I'm spending a huge amount of time on Twitter. I probably scroll through Instagram more than Twitter. I can barely tolerate being on Facebook. I find it such an ugly, unpleasant, aggravating, like a brain aggravating feeling to kind of scroll through Facebook. Um, Instagram, a lot more palatable. Twitter... I just I haven't worked out how to use it myself. And I don't mean that. I mean, I know how to, you know, to to, to put up a, a tweet, a message, a reaction. I really only use it once a week to go, here's the latest episode of the podcast. And I'm sure my eight followers on Twitter are ecstatic when that tweet comes through. Uh, but Twitter does seem to be where people, even more so than Facebook, uh, it does seem to be where people express um, their opinion an awful lot. Uh, in you know in that kind of pithy twitter way keeping it sort of on point um but i and by the way and this is what happens twitter just offers up like the, the the twitter algorithm throws stuff up for me to look at and what it offered me yesterday was a a woman's uh twitter account i, I can't even remember what her name was irish i gather and her her tweet, I mean, this is maybe Twitter going, this will be good. This will get a good reaction. Her tweet was basically, hey, guys, let's put up a thread of hot men. Uh, and I'm going to duck out for lunch now. And I hope when I come back, there's a load of rides on here. And again, if you're not, if you're a listener who's not from Ireland, a ride is um well one it can describe the sex act so uh she <laughs> as in I, I i got i got a ride i got a ride off her you can you know you can use it um in the transitive i rode him i i mean it's really it i mean when you hear it like in isolation like that um yeah it's the it's the horse and jockey is it <laughs> Or is that an English pub I never went into? Um, but the ride, and you take from the ride, the sex act, then you get someone is a ride. Oh my God, he is a ride. Or she's a ride. In fact, I just had a flash. I remember I wrote to my daddy. I wrote to my father when I was 14. Um, now this is going to really open up a window here. I... My father spent some time in New York in the late 80s. He went over and had work. He worked there for about six months. And I remember writing him a letter because I kind of had my first girlfriend around this time. 
was a short-lived affair but i remember <laughs> i remember i think i'm pretty sure i wrote in the letter that i was seeing this girl and that i think i wrote very simply she is a ride um and i remember when my father when he when he came back <laughs> later that summer he was like you probably shouldn't put that sort of thing in writing um, <laughs> he's, he's, that's been one of his his great his great kind of you know pieces of wisdom through the years is never put it in writing as a, as a general you know a general rule of life um, I don't know if Jordan Peterson covered that in his book The Twelve Rules but never put it in writing um, so my father not a fan of the paper trail <laughs> always a sign of someone who's up to no good um, but anyway, the this person on Twitter yesterday was like, yeah, I want to come back from lunch and see a whole load of rides here. And so the basic idea for those of you who aren't Twitter, aren't au fait with Twitter practices or possibilities. Very simple idea. Someone's just going to take get a photo of someone they fancy, a celebrity and stick that on Twitter and they'll all follow along through that thread. There you go. Boom. That's Twitter 101. And some of you must go, oh, my God, that moron just tried to explain what Twitter is to us. Listen, I know some people who listen to this aren't using Twitter, have never used Twitter, will never use Twitter. So, you know, just chill the bones. Don't don't be so quick to judge. OK. Um, and then the same woman added a tweet, which was a quick disclaimer. And it was like, before any of you jump in on me and accuse me of objectification. Um, <laughs> she was like, it's not the same. It's not the same because oppressive structures aren't in place when it comes to this for women. As in, you know, what we're doing as women, objectifying men, that's not the same as women as women being objectified by men it's not a, it's not the same as men objectifying women so you know back off before you even think of hitting me with that accusation and i mean i mean prior to that disclaimer i was like oh yeah whatever <laughs> you know live your life i was kind of curious to see who's considered you know who's considered hot and now, in fairness to her, she put up a photograph of the actor Alexander Skarsgård, who is Stellan Skarsgård's son. Stellan Skarsgård, if you don't know, was, what would you know him from? He was the one of the professor figures in Goodwill Hunting, um, who sort of took uh, Matt Damon's character under his wing. He was also the, uh, the oil rig guy who was injured, badly injured, in Lars von Trier's Breaking the Waves and then from his hospital bed tells his wife go out and take lovers and come back and tell me about them because I'm no good to you anymore um, he's been in lots and lots of things uh, in Denis Villeneuve's Dune which I rewatched, um, he's a, a, a Brando-esque fat bald ominous figure lurking in the shadows uh, Brando from Apocalypse Now obviously anyway whatever his son Alexander Skarsgård is tall and lean and blonde and very good looking in that Scandinavian way. He has quite a funny little part in um, Succession, the uh, the HBO series. That's kind of uh, a version of the, the Murdoch story, the, the massive media empire family. Um, anyway, whatever. 
She put up a photograph of Alex Alexander Skarsgård in very kind of casual gear, sort of a shiny tracksuit type jacket, jeans, holding a baby. I don't know if it was his baby, presumably. Holding a baby in one hand, drinking a bottle of beer in the other and looking all cash and all kind of dad loved up. Anyway, Grant, that was her example. And then lots of other examples followed of just, you know, hunky, spunky, chunky uh, men. Mainly, mainly all very kind of conventionally handsome, studly kind of guys. A lot of actors, a lot of very chiseled guys in their 20s and 30s. Um, Yeah, and some in states of undress displaying fantastically cut and ripped physiques. Others just wearing nice clothes and nice hair and nice smiles. Um, Anyway, whatever, Grant. But I was kind of thinking that disclaimer of, you know, don't, you can't say this, don't call this objectification. It's not the same. And I just kind of thought, well, no, hold on a second, lads. I mean, it is. Now, that's not, we're not going to get into this debate. I don't want to get into this debate about, I mean, I've spoken about female objectification before uh, in, a, in an earlier episode and, and the pressure to conform to certain expectations of beauty, femininity, female sexuality, etc. And how that's, you know, that is, I believe, I do recognise that to be a very oppressive element in many aspects of society and popular media and feeding into certain stereotypes about femininity and female beauty etc um but in the context of this conversation i just think now hold on a second you can't say our objectification is different to your objectification and i was thinking if i put up a thread like if i had any following of note on twitter and i put up a thread going hey lads why don't we put up a little thread of hot women and i'm stepping out to lunch and when i come back i hope there's a whole you know a whole thread of absolute rides on here now if i was someone with any profile i'm sure i would be lambasted and just ripped out of it for overt sexism and misogyny and chauvinism and being accused of you know having contempt for women and you know the crude sexual objectification of women is deeply offensive and i was thinking well i don't know i mean you know i was just trying to think well what would a what would a male thread look like like would it be just women in various states of undress, like women in swimwear and bikinis, um, maybe, you know, maybe nude, whatever Twitter, you know, whatever level of nudity Twitter would allow. Would it just be that highly sexualized, coquettish, flirtatious, coy poses with pursed lips and you know a a kind of a a breathless (laughs) sexualized vibe maybe maybe that's what it would look like and that that would that that, you know it does strike me that 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 would be different to what i saw on this woman's thread yesterday which was predominantly almost like actors headshots and you know there were a few actors like notable for their physical um you know prowess i mean people like jason momoa who's just you know a phenomenal looking specimen physically you know 
a, you know, huge guy and, you know, great genes and hard work probably to work out and get himself in that shape. Um, Michael B. Jordan, the African-American actor who was in um, Creed, one of the Rocky kind of spin-offs, um, also in Black Panther. Uh, he was there with his top off because it was a scene from Creed. He was in his boxing briefs. Um, but a lot of those men were just in their regular old casual clothes, nice shirts. Um, <laughs> there was one kissing a puppy, Lee Pace. Lee Pace, lovely eyebrows, very sensitive eyes. And he was in a white shirt and jeans with bare feet, cuddling a puppy. So, um, you know, it, it, like for me, I'm going, look, it's all eye candy, isn't it? It's just eye candy. And so I'm like, whatever. Eye candy for girls. Eye candy for straight girls. No worries. It's all good. Do you need to throw in the don't accuse me of objectification? Just call it what it is. It is objectification. So is the argument maybe a certain level of objectification is normal? It's okay. It's what we're programmed to do and respond to. If we are engaging with physical beauty and physical attractiveness, engaging with our own desire, our own sexuality, our own sexual impulse, and maybe it's, I don't know, I mean, can you separate the appreciation of the gender that you're attracted to? Can you separate that, you know, can you separate, you might look at someone who is of the gender that you're attracted to, and it's not connected to a sec- to sexual desire. I mean, I'm not sure. I'm asking myself that. I mean, I feel you can look at someone and go, wow, he's very handsome or she's very attractive. She's very beautiful. He's lovely. Um, does it mean that it's triggering a strong sexual desire? Not necessarily. I think you can make that detachment. So, I mean, I think there's there's places it can hit if you wish it to hit that place. I guess and so I mean if you <laughs> particularly for you know teenage boys hormonal boys uh, maybe there's something that you're not really in control of because it's so hormonal and explosive and eruptive uh, and forgive me for using those adjectives but um, you know maybe there's a time when just to be in the present not well not I mean I'll actually I'll, I'll go there in a second but to, you know, to, to see an image of a beautiful woman is almost more than you, your body can bear if, you know, if that's if that's your sexual orientation, if you're aligned that way. And I don't know if you're um, if it's if it's a same sex issue, if the you know, if, if, if the hormones are triggered in exactly the same way, I don't see why they wouldn't be. Um, I mean, I interpret that's how I interpret sexual desire, um, although presumably that's a very broad spectrum. What turns you on? what piques your interest um i mean and that that can that can be a very physical orientation that can be oh i like this part of the body i like that part of the body i like legs i like hands i like stomachs i like chests i like (laughs) i like chins i like funny chins that's that's what women have always said to me all my girlfriends my many many girlfriends they've all said i love a man with a funny chin I spotted you from across the cafeteria. I thought I'd like to stick a beer mat in that chin. <laughs> that has literally never happened, okay? So just everyone chill and don't 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 be judging me chin. Again, I, I never even think about my chin until 
people pointed out. And again, I have touched on this. I've covered this in a previous podcast. But uh, just in case you missed that one, I was working in a hospital in Melbourne and a nurse, you know, you know, very, very in a very jolly, a very jolly, helpful way. Uh, was like, you know, you know, Darry, you, you, you could get your chin fixed. <laughs> and, you know, presumably thinking of the handful of very adept um, plastic surgeons that uh, were applying their trade in the hospital. Um, the, the cosmetic surgeons, I have to say, I didn't warm to them. They weren't very nice guys. Um, and they, they, there were there were two two guys in particular. Oh, and one female surgeon too. And they were all pretty frosty. Really, they 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 take that they take that A type personality box to a very extreme degree. Um, very precious. Um, whereas some of the general surgeons who were dealing with different parts of the body, uh, maybe bums and things. They were you know they they, they and and this is not to, to cast aspersions on how on how they did their job, which was absolutely to the highest levels of professionalism. But something about their sense of humor and their um, their general disposition uh, was much more akin to butchers. <laughs> We're dealing with blood and guts. We're dealing with bums and 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 uh, and poo and impacted bowels. And there was just uh, they weren't taking themselves quite so seriously uh, and serving their patients extremely well. I must say, I'm saying that with all seriousness. Um, oh, the things the things I've seen. It's not like Rutger Hauer at the end of Blade Runner, who has that wonderful that wonderful soliloquy um, about you know all the beautiful things he's seen in the universe. So it's it's a very short few lines, but it's so evocative and poetic, and poignant and bittersweet as he's really uh, living out his last few minutes of existence. And that's his, that's his last last three words: time to die. Um, what? You know, when I say the things I've seen, I wish, I wish it was in the the realms of Roy from Blade Runner. I wish I was talking about you know sunbeams, you know, in outer space, um, rather than impacted bells. And uh, yeah, in fact, I'm I'm shuddering. I'm shuddering here to remember the things I can remember. And I'm just gonna I'm gonna move swiftly on. Um, I did. I did have a point I was getting to, didn't I? Didn't I? Did I? Oh yeah, my chin, the funny chin, body parts, things that things that were attracted to. Uh, faces, faces for me. It was always about a pretty face, um, and then whatever else came with that pretty face, I was pretty pretty relaxed about. Like, I, I I still feel that way more or less. Uh, healthy. I mean, healthy. Just give me a give me a, give me a healthy a healthy happy body. That's what we all want, isn't it? Uh, but it depends depends what you're being primed for it depends what your own sort of your own vibe is where you locate your sense of your own sense of uh, attractiveness I suppose I don't know I mean for me and I, I'm coming to the end of this section because I, I did have something else I wanted to talk about or maybe this maybe this can fit in nicely for me I mean I had my own little hang-ups as I entered into relationships in my teens and early 20s and I would have had my own little neuroses about what I looked like and what my body was like and I certainly never saw <laughs> I'm just laughing at the the, the the possibility the idea that I would have seen myself I never saw myself as 
a player of any kind. Um, that wasn't where my confidence was located. Um, I mean, it was a much, it was a much more, you know, a much, much more uh, innocent, naive, open kind of confidence I had. Very trusting, very open. Probably in no, you know, never cool, particularly never dangerous, never edgy, and therefore not attractive to large swathes of young women. <laughs> but um, I wore it well. It wasn't a crisis because my feeling was, as soon as as soon as a, a young woman, a girl of my age, you know, you know, was happy to to give me a kiss. Um, and perhaps let that lead to other things i was like that's grand <laughs> i'm very happy with this the unfolding of this situation and i'd find myself i just fall into relationships very easily and was very comfortable in that sort of monogamous security and i think a lot of a lot of very healthy relationship learning happened within those relationships um but the point i'm trying to get to is that i was like well this person who has given me uh, a seal of approval, a stamp of approval on some level, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fixate or be hung up on what I feel are my physical inadequacies or my, my, my shortfall physically, aesthetically. Um, I'll just focus on the fact that I've been accepted by this one person. And um, I, I don't know if that makes me sound like profoundly insecure um to be just like delighted like a puppy dog oh you like me lap 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 woof, 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 woof. and that kind of piddle on the floor in in excitement um or that i was able very luckily to switch to something that was i, I feel i mean the, the positive side of that was i managed to switch to something that was integrally quite healthy um and you know, I mean, let, let's not forget. I am talking primarily about, you know, the, my physique, the physical body, my looks, um, you know, different body parts. And I just never, my brain really never went to that place of, oh, what do they think of this part of my body or that part of my body or what I look like. I mean, I had insecurities that were much more prevalent in other areas um and and lived in a much more emotional space and much more about the you know about about myself and who i was as a person and that was a much rawer more vulnerable area for me and you know to a large extent it's you know that's that is still where um you know that's still where my sore spots or my sensitive spots would be um and you know it's it's not like my my body is radically different now than it, than it was. I mean maybe that's a that's a I'm, I'm lucky to be able to say that I suppose um, a little bit of middle aged weight gain, um, a lot more hair, but apart from that, I don't know. I mean, much the same. I've got I probably come from a from skinny stock. My father is wiry, um, you know, not particularly tall, wiry. Uh, that's yeah that's probably what i i fit into i don't know it's it's so hard you can't be objective it's very hard to to get a real sense of of what you look like and it's not it's not something i've ever really obsessed over um so i don't know what the conclusion to all that is i just felt like i ah, hear listen missus come on you know it is objectification 
and maybe your objectification looks different to, to male straight male objectification but just call a spade a spade for god's sake you're saying i want to come back and see a bunch of rides here a bunch of gorgeous good-looking men like it is what it is you know fine you know enjoy why not why not look at beautiful people and have a laugh and you know with all the other women who are posting on your thread um it's pretty innocent stuff and maybe then you can argue well yeah it is innocent enough i guess um although let's not kid ourselves there are young men growing up who feel very insecure about how they appear and are looking at these examples of masculinity and these incredible sort of physiques of a majority of modern uh you know film and tv actors who have you know incredible regimes or personal trainers or you know dedicated time uh, money and help to get themselves into those shapes not always very realistic so i don't know for me it's and my own relationship with sport and exercise it's always been what can you do with your body more than what it looks like uh, I mean you know I, I try to take care of myself and certainly there's an area of my personal vanity that's connected to trying to look reasonably you know fit and well uh, and healthy um, and then if that becomes something that's attractive you know great lovely but I mean like what's that mean you know, I'm, you know, I'm, my, my wife and I are together nearly 21 years. Um, as long as she finds me attractive, hey, that's all that counts. That's all that counts. Yeah. As long as my wife finds me attractive. Um, answers on a, a postcard to that one. Um, so I tell you what I was interested in, though, talking about today, apart from apart from all of that. Uh, and again, as I as I, I said a few moments ago, I wonder if this can kind of tie into tie into this kind of theory I'm, I'm not sure if it's going to be how i'm going to dovetail it but i was thinking about how we understand wins in our life wins victories um and i'm, I'm hesitating to use the word gains because maybe that's maybe that's part of the problem so if I apply a sort of a Marxist structure of everything relating to kind of capitalism and wealth accumulation and social advancement via those means, I think it conditions us to think of wins always appearing in the, the, you know, the, 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 the correct side of the ledger the ledger that's that shows your in profit balance so not not the debts not what you owe not the red we're talking about the black and we're very conditioned to go what have i accumulated what have i amassed what have i gained and for me that becomes a very single note idea of a victory and a very single note idea of winning or thriving or doing well. So then it comes back to wellness as ever. I mean, this stuff always, I mean, mostly it always comes back to, to wellness and how we think about wellness being well. Um, and it's not, it's not, it's not, again, it's not like I'm particularly fond of that word wellness because these words get appropriated and they become a bit meaningless. But it does connect to feeling happy. 
it does connect to feeling positive it does connect to feeling uh, like you're in a in a good place with yourself or enjoying a good relationship with yourself and therefore being in a better position to do well with other people and in other areas of your life so i was thinking about this because i i've definitely had i've I've been going through whatever i've I've had a a funny kind of you know four or five weeks um (laughs) I, i mean i'd have to track back to the previous episodes to remember when i was talking about my um my vomiting episode and how that absolutely pummeled me um but i think i've been a bit shaky i've been a bit shaky in terms of my my equilibrium my my own sense of being in a, a good place it's been a bit of a, a stressy kind of four to six weeks um for you know lots of different reasons and you know it's it's just life nothing no no major drama nothing extreme but i have been feeling i def i've definitely been experiencing a bit of anxiety i've definitely been experiencing a little bit of overwhelm I, you know i've got quite a few little things i'm trying to to do in my life and kind of pull together and sometimes that feels really great and positive and interesting and very much within my capability uh very much within my sense of what i feel is possible to make happen and then sometimes when i'm in a different frame of mind or a different mood or i'm just a little bit low emotionally it can feel very daunting and unwieldy and unlikely um and i'm definitely you know i'm definitely kind of coming off the back of you know a very recent spell of just i don't know if i'd call it a depressive episode which i've spoken about this before uh this is my my long history of you know i I definitely revert to that place or can be triggered or you know reacted i suppose is how i'd put it you know you know into that space like depression just doesn't happen if i have a depressive episode you know there's usually a trigger there's usually some specific circumstances you know relating to a person or you know relating to something i you know something that's within my own kind of sphere of influence that um for whatever reason it's come into a poor light in my mind or yeah i'm not trying i'm trying to think how to best describe it It, you know uh, you know if if we put depression and anxiety um or stress uh and i mean they're not they're not equally weighted but they're all they're all sort of adverse states of mind they're all adverse emotional states that bring challenges uh none of them none of them come from nowhere they all come from somewhere because they are a response to something in our lives um they are a response to to something that is connected to something else and the something else could be underlying trauma it could be underlying uh, insecurity or self-doubt, uh, underlying, uh, you know, an underlying, you know, belief about ourselves that maybe 
we could do with addressing in an, in you know in a healthier way who knows who knows i mean there, there are so many different reasons particular situations or scenarios can can cause us to react into those states um so in any case my own situation where definitely over as i say over the last you know month or so I, i've definitely been kind of um you know not in kind of optimum form and i think i've alluded to this in you know in one or two of the episodes of the podcast but i just yesterday i you know i i woke up and i just wasn't in i wasn't in good headspace and the whole the entire day was a struggle and i you know i went through you know got through the day it wasn't as productive as i would have liked to have been and certainly for me i know one of the things that makes me happiest and gives me the greatest sense of satisfaction is being productive in some way now exercise i don't use i mean exercise as as i've established in previous um you know in 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 how i've spoken about my my own regimes and routines exercise is central to me kind of keeping on track mentally emotionally physically of course and i do love doing exercise and it does keep me sort of stable and grounded and helps me sort of channel my my energy in in good ways um but it's exercise for me is often so routine it's just so part of what i do that on on some level i probably devalue it um and i'd probably put a i probably put a higher value and probably have a higher emotional um a higher positive excuse me a higher positive emotional response to being productive in a creative way so if i sit down and write something if i mean like doing the podcast usually gives me a, a you know a, a very positive feeling if i produce something for the for the 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 app that i create content for uh, aura can you feel my aura you know when i do something for aura that's good um you know whatever it might be sitting down writing a poem even you know even and this is not in the creative uh in the same area of creativity but in the area of expression even in my journal to just sit down and actually try and articulate uh, my experience my internal experience just to sit down and try and articulate my emotional state my intellectual uh, state to to try and unpack the the sort of the the complexity uh of what i'm experiencing to try and just put it out there i f- always find that it's it's not necessarily satisfying but it's extremely useful um and like you know that is that is a good it's a good practice and i must say i'll give another shout out to sisterhood journals uh, you'll find her on instagram but i see her putting up stuff all the time about the benefits of journaling um and i yeah i have great faith i have great faith in that process you know again it's if, if you're someone who kind of if you're someone who's wired that way if you're someone who likes to express through language and words that's a great thing but that might not be your bag and some people aren't really interested in doing that and it's like 
whatever. It's not it's not one fix for everyone, but I know that 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 works for me. But in any case, I was I was thinking about it yesterday, and even in really quite a, a torrid um, headspace, I was sort of able to to sort of acknowledge the the positive aspect of that experience and that takes I mean, it, to me it, that's very revelatory because it, it shows an underlying health state that's really quite robust because within what was fundamentally quite a quite an unforgiving depressive episode I was able to go this is actually, and, and and I think I think I have referred to this before in, in in other episodes where I've discussed how I deal with that. But it it's it was definitely a sense. There was definitely a sense of progress where I can look at that and go, "Wow, this is so different." How I respond now to these really you know very uncomfortable feelings and very negative thought processes. Um, and you know what what they bring into my my worldview, and what they bring into my temporary belief system, very sort of um, defeatist, negative, angry, uh, you know, frames of thinking and feeling, and in that state to be able to go, do you know what? This is actually progress. It's quite extraordinary. Because in the past, there would have been an escalation and a sort of a is devolution. Like it would have devolved into a much more extreme, um, a much more extreme state of of self abnegation, self loathing, self hatred, uh, furious, self directed anger disgust (laughs) rage and there are elements there are trace elements of all of that that still exist in there they're still in the mix when i get into that headspace but so much less than they were in the past and so and ultimately this is this is this is the point i want to get to so in other words i look at yesterday and you know today i have emerged out of that state and i feel i feel good i feel very balanced and i i I consider this my normal state i go this is normally where i'm at everything feels a lot more doable everything feels balanced i feel like i've got a much healthier perspective on various aspects of things that are important to me in my life at this moment and it just sits in a much more natural place it's not extreme it's not manic it's not i go from everything's terrible to everything's amazing it's a much calmer much more accepting state that i find much easier to to breathe into it's a much more forgiving much more tolerant space and from that space today i can look at yesterday um and recognize as i sort of did yesterday as well that wow like yesterday there's a win there's a huge win not in what's present, not in what's been accumulated, not in what's been achieved, not in what's been amassed, but in what's absent. And so I think that's 
that's a nice alternative way to view what we've gained. <laughs> the absence of stuff. The empty space. So if there's a negative ledger, that that's actually empty. That there's nothing there. Because you've actually managed, you've actually managed to, to remove elements that used to be detrimental to your health. You've removed elements that used to be tantamount to self-harm. You've removed elements that debilitated. You've removed elements that were, you know, part of a acted out wound. And I think that's really positive, actually. Um, and I think it's a, it's it, 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 as I say, it's it's a, it's a really nice alternative way to view success. It's a really nice alternative way to view uh, victory over over past experiences, victory over past habits, victory over over demons, and maybe victory over certain pathways in our in our sort of in our neural makeup and in our emotional makeup to go oh yeah 15 years ago 20 years ago 25 years ago 30 years ago i would have taken that feeling and gone to that place whoa i'm really far from that place now how nice and you know i'm talking i'm talking about the internal the internal landscape I spoke about this a few episodes ago, the, the cartography of a small world. Like that's what I was talking about, that landscape, that internal landscape and how maybe that, that terrain and that domain changes according to how well we deal with our stuff. I have to pronounce it like that, stuff. <laughs> your stuff. How are you dealing with your stuff? Is it relevant in your life at the moment? Is it ever not relevant? Where have you parked it? Where does it live? Is it, I don't know, do you have it living in a nice cosy place in yourself? Have you accommodated it in a nice cosy apartment? A nice room with a view where you're like, yeah, that's okay. That's my stuff. Yeah, not too worried. It lives, it cohabitates with my other stuff. And my other stuff... I don't know, my other stuff enables me to, to live a good life and to live well and to live happy. And this stuff, not so worried about it anymore. Kind of have it in, in balance or have it in check. So, you know, using those kind of terms, you know, and, you know, you've heard me use the word ledger a couple of times. I mean, this is a form of emotional and intellectual and internal accountancy. And then you talk about sums and figures and then we're back into capitalism. <laughs> what have you gained? Let's see. Let's give me a look. Give me a look at your portfolio. Give me a look at your bank balance. What have you got in your savings account? Well, I've got nothing in mine. Um, and portfolio, I don't know. I don't know what's there. Nothing either. Uh, but there you go. Empty spaces. I'm like, that's okay. That's okay. There's nothing negative there. Some people could argue it is negative. It's an empty space. That's a negative. That's the absence of something. The absence of what, though? For me, the absence of more extreme neuroses. For me, the absence of more extreme negative self-talk. Um, that's that's positive stuff. And you know, if I think if I think about my life, and you think 
you know, and, and again, this is, we're very conditioned, I, I believe, I would argue, we're very conditioned to, you know, to articulate um, what's present. We're very, you know, we're very much conditioned to enumerate what we've got, um, what we have, our possessions, uh, the things in our life we can list that are positives. And don't get me wrong, there, there are often times when I do that, you know, the little, the little stock take of reasons to be grateful. I mean, that's definitely a, that's not a negative practice. That's a positive practice. But maybe we can forget. There's, it's also good to realize what's not here. And I go, oh, well, that's good. So maybe in terms of a, a healthy lifestyle, I could go, well, that's good. You know, I'll tell you what isn't here. Excessive drinking. That's not here. Smoking. That isn't here. Violence. That isn't here. Uh, sexism. That isn't here. I mean, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm shooting off the top of my head here, but um, that that can be good. That can be good to go, oh, cool. Those are, they, they could be very destructive things and they're not present. That's a positive. So I suppose ultimately that's, you know, that's the little, that's the little kind of micro, the, the wellness micro theory I'm offering this week is, you know, to look in the, look in the negative space look in the empty space, look at the, the deficits and maybe go, oh, that's cool. It's great that that stuff isn't here. That actually makes my life much easier. That actually makes my life much more simple, much less complicated. And then if you start talking in those terms, you can lean into this much more sort of stripped back, paired back way of thinking, maybe a more Zen way of thinking, and I'll go further and bring it back to my own sort of output and my own underlying philosophy of this kind of thing that I do on the podcast and what I started doing on the the, the blog, the website, um, nine years ago. The idea of decluttering, clearing away the mess. And a great way to clean up is to remove things from the space. Just take my wife out of this. <laughs> no, I don't want to take my wife out of the space. I, I want my wife very much in the space. Um, but you know what I mean? It's 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 that idea that we, you know, maybe maybe you can take maybe you can take a beat, take a moment there, and go, oh yeah, what isn't in the space? What have I actually removed from the space? And that can be, I mean, gosh, sure, if you want to be literal and look at your physical space, where you're living, the room in which you are sitting, you know, a clean space is good for the mind. It's kind of calming and clutter aggravates. And it's another reason I don't like Facebook. I find it physically, I mean, visually, aesthetically, it, it, it's cluttered to me and it just doesn't, it, just, it doesn't invite me back. I, I reluctantly you know, tap Facebook to go, did anybody respond to something I put up about the podcast? <laughs> and the answer is 99% of the time, no, nobody did. That's your, that's on you. That's not on me. <laughs> that's on you. It's up to you to throw some stuff out there on social media and go, my God, I really enjoyed that episode of the podcast. Jesus, Dar's a great lad. Everyone should listen and we should all support him financially on the podcast as well. Why don't you try that? I can maybe I should just have 
<laughs> maybe I should just have a standard social media bite that you can just copy and paste and throw up on your own thing. This is why I love the podcast. And I'll give you some options. It's brilliant. It's amazing. It's deadly. Dara's a ride. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay, listen. I kind of feel like that's it. I think that's enough for today. I'm not sure if I had anything else I want to talk about. Um, so that's not bad. That's not bad. I went from from very dubious hand soap to objectification and maybe the differences between male and female objectification i didn't go deep into that i didn't really want to get into stuff i've covered before um and i got into to deficits the empty space but think yeah let me just bring it back to that point just to just to conclude because I, i i did it did flit across my brain briefly when i was talking about the the objectification discussion and i was talking about the um how I felt in my early relationships about my my body and parts of my body that I wasn't thrilled about or what I thought I looked like and what I might have had insecurities about or anxieties about and ultimately I let the sense of being approved of by a member of the opposite sex the sense of being approved of by my girlfriend at the time uh, or subsequent girlfriends I let that sense of being approved of by them, I let that sort of eradicate or cancel out my insecurities and anxieties about my physical self and about whether or not I was good looking or handsome. And don't forget, you know, there was also a, you know, a, you know, a, a, an emerging or a budding actor's brain in the mix within that of I, you know, even at that stage, I was like, yeah, acting, acting's going to be a thing. Acting's going to feature. And your looks are definitely, you, know, you can't, there's no separation. You know, your, your looks are part of the package. What you look like, what people see, that's part of the package. And how attractive you are or are not, you know, however, that can be assessed objectively. Uh, I mean, I remember there was, a, there was a guy I was in acting school with and he was just, he took great delight in assuring me and one or two others on the the acting course, it was a very small school we went to, but he took great delight in going, nah, you guys will never be leading men. <laughs> you're, pure, you're pure character actors. And I was like, oh, come on, I, I don't know. I was like, like I, know, I could see what he was talking about in the other guy. I was like, yeah, you're right about him, but me, are you sure? Do I not have a little tiny bit of leading man potential? But it can be so superficial, like it's just what you look like. And I mean, if I go back and think about that Twitter thread, Twitter thread yesterday, all of those guys are unbelievably, absolutely, typically good looking. Um, maybe, maybe Adam Driver is the outlier. Adam Driver from Marriage Story. You might know him as Kylo Ren, son of Han Solo, the sort of. Uh, the Darth Vader equivalent in the more recent Star Wars movies. Adam Driver, um, ah, he just seems like such a talented guy. My God. That Sondheim song he sings at the end of Marriage Story, lovely. That's a great performance, God. I think he's really good in that. He, um, yeah, he's got great stuff. He's got great stuff available to him as an actor. And um, maybe not conventionally so handsome, but women seem to like him a lot. He's got a nice bod to go with it those lovely ears of his and that lovely nose 
Um, but in any case, the point I'm trying to get back to, the deficit. So what did I remove from the space in those early relationships? I successfully removed from the space insecurity and anxiety about my physical self which actually allowed me to thrive on another level in the relationship and don't let's not let's be very clear that didn't suddenly make me very mature I mean I was young I was like 18 19 20 21 I mean these were these were the early relationships but I, I found myself in longish term relationships at that stage right through my sort of university life and afterwards um it didn't make me more mature it, I wasn't suddenly all grown up I mean the, the the real work was was very much ahead of me in terms of you know resolving some issues and getting to understand myself better i mean as it, as you know as you would expect um you know this is this is the journey for so many of us the journey towards some semblance of maturation some semblance of understanding insight accommodation with who we are and where we've come from but the deficit the empty space been able to remove that from the space allowed me to push on with a very a very healthy I, I think a very healthy disposition towards relationships a very healthy disposition towards um towards women towards the the, the women i was attracted to towards those relationships towards how i thought about physicality towards how i thought about bodies um and in that regard, I think, I don't know. I mean, if that's then about objectification, you know, I, I think I always made a separation in my head. It's like, it's one thing to go, that woman has a beautiful body or that young woman has a beautiful body or she's gorgeous or my, you know, look at that physique, look at, you know, those breasts or that, you know, whatever. It, it, to me, that that was one thing. That lived in one part of my brain and then, who am I actually attracted to is a very different thing because attraction is not just in the body of course I mean oh my god this (laughs) maybe I should rename this podcast obvious and here on obvious Dara discusses how water is wet tune in next week when Dara discusses how fire is hot Um, but you know attractiveness you know it doesn't just reside in in the vessel you know that that reminds me of my soap <laughs> oh god yeah anyway that's look that's it it's like they they were separate things like separate and then sometimes they did coincide and you know yippee you know whatever but it's like it, it, it ultimately if we're talking specifically about relationships it's about what passes between two people. That's that's really, that's where the magic happens. It's what passes between two people, isn't it? So, you know, MTV Cribs, go down to the bedroom. This is where the magic happens. Or as I, as I quipped, that one's for Ian O'Malley, if he's listening. This is a quip. As I said to friends visiting, or visiting hashtag blessed for the first time recently, I went down to the, the master bedroom and I said, this is where the magic doesn't happen. Oh, how we laughed. <laughs> well, I clutched my sides. But the magic, the real magic is what passes 
between two people. I, I believe that very strongly. And that's that's your romantic relationship. That's in all of our good, healthy relationships, the relationships that sustain us and restore us and give us faith that we're not total disaster zones, we human beings. Okay, that's a very positive note on which to finish. So um, as always, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. I really do appreciate it, genuinely. If you... If you're finding time to listen to this podcast, you know, on occasion, and if you can give the hour, the hour and 10, the hour and 20 minutes that it takes to, to listen to me wax on and wax off, I'm, I'm truly appreciative. And thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for giving me your ears, your attention. Thank you for that validation of what I'm doing here. And if you want to share a positive response or a negative response, you know, no such thing as bad news, no such thing as bad press. Is, is that, that's not true, is it? Um, if you want, if you want to excoriate me on social media, you can do so. You can find me at the Clear Out Podcast on YouTube, on Instagram, on Facebook. You can find me at the Clear Out Two. That's a number two, the digit two, the Clear Out Two on Twitter, and you can email me at the Clear Out Live at gmail dot com. And I'd welcome, I'd welcome your engagement. I'd welcome anything you have to say and um what else also if you want to support the podcast financially throw a bit of financial love my way you can do so using the supporter link which will be there in the description wherever you're listening to this podcast or if you want to contribute a more regular small contribution you can do so using patreon so that's patreon.com forward slash the clear out and all of those links are in the description wherever you're listening so that's it i'll leave it with you Watch out for the uh, watch out for the hand soap. You never know where it came from. You you probably do. You probably do. You probably know where the soap in your house came from. Um, okay, good stuff. Listen, take care. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you real soon. Mind yourselves. All the best. Bye. I'm